of Ephesians, it says that Jesus' example of his approach to the Lord comes up as a sweet aroma, sweet aroma. And for this temple, for the temple that you live in, meaning the house that you live in, and for yourself, your, your body, those are the three temples. Um, each time someone gets near that temple, there should be an aroma that comes out. Um, anytime someone runs into you and experiences your presence, um, there should be an aroma. I was listening in our early, our early teaching um, that happens at 9.30 every morning. It's an expression of membership here and what it's like. And it's a really cool environment. And I was listening to Deacon Javier, um, who's a major gift here at High Street uh, Worship. And he was, he was sharing just about that and how important it is that no matter where we are, we should be smelling like Jesus. That's the aroma. That's the scent. You know, if you're going in the marketplace or if you're going to the actual market, you know, if you're dealing with your neighbors um, and, uh, and at your house, your house itself. I told you earlier, honor should be seen at home. And so, um, but then there's this place. There's this temple. And um, since I've started uh, leading here, we've been laying down a, fa a foundation of um, what it's like here at High Street. And so there are five things. There are five characteristics that represent the aroma here um, that anytime anyone comes in, they should catch that. I know what this is. Um, like the, the children were singing, you know, this is the Father's house. This is the Father's house. And all are accepted in the Father's house. Um, and in the Father's house, we learn about the Father. We learn his holiness, his nature, his characteristics. We, we learn him. We learn about his provision, his grace, and his love. So whoever walks in, they can experience healing and freedom and hope. Those five things that we've been laying down have been love. It's that God-given ability to view another as valuable and precious. Someone that's near you, look at them and say to them those words. Say, you are valuable to me, and you are precious to me. Now look at somebody else who maybe isn't your family. Maybe, you know, not a close friend. Look across the room and say, hey, you're valuable to me. You're precious to me, Dino. <laughs> valuable and precious. But that's love. And God's love sent Jesus to get things right. And if you're watching online or if you're visiting here and you've never accepted Jesus, um, you've never entered into a relationship with him. And for many, it's been because you don't understand God and his love. Well, God didn't send Jesus, and I'm quoting chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17 of St. John's Gospel. He says, God loved you so much, loved me so much, loved us so much, loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son. And whoever believes in him, that's all you need, is faith in the operation of God. Jesus died as part of God's operation. And if you have faith in that operation, that he died for you, then you immediately enter into a relationship with him. And it's the 
God, it's God's love. It's the love of God that decided to do that. But verse 17 is very important because it says God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son just to point out your defects and wave an accusing finger. He came to make things right. And when Adam made a decision to receive that fruit, things went off, things went bad, things went down. And God said, I'm going to send another Adam to make things right. And Jesus Christ came. He lived a sinless life. He was born of a virgin Mary. He walked this earth bringing God's opinion here. And then he willingly gave up his life as a sacrifice so that we would not have to die because the wages of sin, any sin, is death. Even if you were born into sin, it still had a punishment of death which is why Adam's disobedience bought death, but then Jesus' obedience bought life to everyone. And that life is still available. That's what God did. That's a picture of love. God loving. Not God pointing out how off you are. God saying, I've got the hope, I've got the answer, I've got the life. And if you've received Jesus already, let me see your hand. Be bold about it. If you've received Jesus, look, just look around. Look around now. Look around. Look around at all the people. In fact, the Bible says, and I always quote this, he says, in that day when we stand before him, there will be a number that no man can number. And even on a day like today, there are many coming to faith in Jesus. And so that's what love looks like. It's love, but then it's also unity. Unity should be in the house. Unity isn't uniformity. It doesn't mean that I have to dress like you and sound like you. It doesn't mean I have to talk like you. It just means that God loved me and God loved you, and together we serve at the pleasure of our King Jesus. What a statement. We serve at the pleasure of our King Jesus. But then we also fight against those things that bring disunity. Isolation, selfishness, assumption, um, complaining, gossip, accusation. Those kinds of things fight at the fabric of our unity. And as the, on the, the flip side, we love, we bless, we honor. Honor is a beautiful thing. And that should exist at home and that should exist in a congregation like this honor, which is why I'm always trying to point people out. I'm always trying to highlight people. And we're, we'll get to the place, we'll get to the place where everyone is honored. Um, and I want to see, I want to see that. But it's really a picture of what Jesus did. You know, Jesus led the woman who had five husbands into the presence of God, but he spent some time honoring who she was. He said, hey, will you give me something to drink? That's an honor piece. They weren't even supposed to be talking, you know, because of their culture, their race, but also because of who they were. A man and a woman weren't supposed to talk. And he says, hey, will you give me a drink? The guy who was stealing, you know, sitting up in the tree, a guy named Zacchaeus, he says, hey, I want to have dinner with you. That's honor. That's honor. And it gave, gave that guy so much hope. By the time he got down from the tree, he ended up giving his life to Jesus and 
changing his ways. It's honor. The woman who was caught in the act of adultery and bought into the church to kill her, they bought her to kill her. And Jesus, after writing on the ground and clearing the church, he looked at her and says, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, I don't see any of them. He says, I don't accuse you either. Now, he pointed out that what she was doing was often wrong. But he said something to her and gave an aroma to her that made her want to stay close. She could have snuck out with everybody else and said, finally, I escaped death. I was able to sneak out. No, they all left. She stayed close to Jesus. It's like that with all of us. And even for those who may come in, we have to make sure that we respond in a way where God's love comes out in honor. So we honor, we honor. And I said last week, I always say things like, hey, turn to your neighbor and say this, or turn to your neighbor and say that. It's, there's a point to it. There's a point to it. Because the more we, this should be a place where we practice. We practice Christianity here. It's a safe environment. It shouldn't be that we come in isolated and leave isolated. Come in broken, leave broken. Come in hurt, leave hurt. Come in bound and leave bound. But come here, and in this environment, the presence of God is here. And so we take care of each other. So look at somebody that's not in your family and say, I honor you. I honor you. Hmm. I miss you, man. <laughs> honor, honor. But then as always, as always, go home and practice. Go home and practice. Of all the men that are in the house and all the women that are in the house, my wife doesn't want to love you and take care of you and honor you more than she honors me. I don't want to bless all of you and then not go home and bless her or my son, or my daughter, or my granddaughter. No. So the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest where? At home. Pastor, you don't know my husband. <laughs> or you don't know my wife. Or you don't know my kids. They just bad. No, 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 no. No, no. Be the light that shines even in a dark place with your family, with your, with your family. Um, before we close, I'll tell a little bit more about that. Um, so love, unity, the word of God. Scripture is important. It should be important here, and it should be important at home, and it should be important in our own individual lives. Read your Bible. Put your hand on your chest and say these words. Close your eyes just for focus. Close them tight. Say, okay, I'm focus. I'm trying to focus. And say these words. Say, Holy Spirit, please help me to find joy in Scripture and find schedule for Scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. You hear that last part? Find schedule. Find schedule. Find schedule. All right? Because um, sometimes we feel like, I don't have time to read the Bible, Pastor. I don't have time. <laughs> Boy, we have, we have time for so many things. We just have to make it a priority. Right? Don't try and make, don't try and make um, the Word of God fit around your schedule. Make your schedule fit around the Word of God. And start, start small. If you're not used to reading your Bible every day, don't set aside an hour. Don't set aside an hour. 
because if you can't meet it, then shame and regret and the enemy is going to whisper in your ear and you're supposed to be a Christian, <laughs> you know. Start small. Put, put 15 minutes aside. Put 15 minutes aside and be true to the 15 minutes. Set an alarm on your phone. Turn your phone off in terms of a ringer so that people aren't interrupting you. And, and like that song that, uh, that singer I love, Larnell Harris, he wrote a song years ago and it's called... I miss my time with you. Those moments together, you know, um, I need to see you every day and it hurts me when you say you're too busy. Busy even trying to serve me. But how can you serve me when your spirit is empty? There's a longing in my heart, wanting more than just a part of you. It's true, it's true, it's true. I miss my time with you. And so find Find it in your heart to schedule. And we got calendars all over the place these days. Start off with God. Keep it simple, keep it short, and watch your, not just your day be blessed and your life be blessed, but your relationship with God. I want a deeper relationship. And you don't need to be standing behind a, pul a pulpit or a podium to have a tight relationship with God. You don't have to have gone to a seminary or, or have, you know, whatever that you look at people and say, oh, they're really spiritual. They're really, no. He just wants, he wants to hear from you. And the word of God helps. It helps you to see what's wrong, what's right. Helps you to see how to get right. And then shows you how to stay right. And you can't just make a decision to do it. It's all by the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that in a minute. Love, unity, the word of God. Humility, everybody scream out, humility. humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking about yourself less. It's highlighting others. Humility is also coming up under a mission. Humility has submission connected with it. And submission means under mission, under the mission of another. And Jesus said, my mission, my will is to do the will of him that sent me. And so humility always starts with the Father God. You can't have humility with other people in an effective way until you first say, God, you're God, and I'm not. You created me, and I did not. And when we live from that posture, now everything else begins to come in to focus and balance, we get power and strength, but we also find joy. Humility is a beautiful place. The other thing that I will say about humility is let's make sure that if God says you can do it, and I want you to do it, and I need you to do it, that in humility we say, okay, God, you said it, I'm on it, I'm on it. Don't make the excuse that says, well, I'm not like that person. If God says go, you go. I'm not an orator. I'm not somebody who speaks so well. Be like Moses who stuttered. <laughs> you picture Moses stuttering? You picture that? Yet the power of God came and did a great deliverance through him because he said yes. And this is somebody whose knees were knocking. Humility says, God, you said it, and I'll do it. And that's not just on going for a big ministry or big mission or this big. Sometimes humility is as simple as saying, 
God, you told me to forgive that person, so I'm going to, in humility, forgive. I'll pause for a moment there. Is there anybody in your life that you need to forgive? Is there anybody in your life that you need to apologize to? Humility says, God, you want me to do that, so I will, I will do it. It's getting under the mission of another. And then from that process, we begin to live out how God wants to reach people. And the last one is Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. He is a person, personality. He has traits. He's described in Scripture as a helper, as a teacher, as a guide, as a comforter. Um, he's got power. <laughs> he's, he's not weak. He is the power. He's the one that gets it done. God makes the decision. Jesus calls it out, because Jesus is the word. Jesus calls it out, and then the Holy Spirit gets it done. He's got power. It's the Holy Spirit. But I will tell you that the Holy Spirit is gentle, and he needs your agreement. All of this is the scent of the house. Nothing that we do can we do by way of, without the Holy Spirit's help. Even when it comes to resisting the devil. And in these next 10 minutes, I'll share a little bit about how the Holy Spirit helps you to stand. And I want to contour it, I want to color it for men, for men. So today's teaching around the Holy Spirit and coming with different angles of it. You'll hear more about Holy Spirit in the coming weeks. But today I want to fashion it talking about men. That doesn't mean women check out. It doesn't mean check out. Um, but because it's Father's Day, I'm just using that as a title. But this is for everyone. This is for everyone. The title of today's teaching is A Man Full of the Holy Spirit. Man Full of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've got passages up there, and it'll be really good for you, uh, because we're not going to get to all of it today, but it'll be really good for you to write these passages down, take a picture of it. Please don't lean on your memory, <laughs> you know, um, but take a picture of it. And when you get home, remember, don't let, don't try and make um, your, don't try and make God fit around your schedule. You fit your schedule around God, and this helps. This gives the Holy Spirit something to work with because he's going to bring things back to your memory. Luke 4, and these are verses 1 to 42. Um, Acts chapter 6, verse 8. John chapter 4 and verse 30. So I'll start off giving you a background to Luke, the fourth chapter, which is where I'll spend a little bit of time. Um, and, and take some notes, try to write, um, and, uh, because you might be out or you might be, you know, waiting for something. And you say, oh, yeah, let me go back and look at what was talked about on Sunday. So Luke chapter 4, the backdrop of this is um, it's found in Matthew chapter 4. We're not going to go there, but in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus comes up to his cousin, his cousin is John the Baptist. His mom, Mary, Jesus' is Mar mom, Mary, and John's mom, Elizabeth, were cousins and pregnant around the same time. 
And the Bible says that John was the one who was talking about Jesus, setting him up. He's the one that was advertising. There's one coming, there's one coming, there's one coming. And he would say things like, look, this guy is so bad, I can't even tie his shoes. <laughs> he's that, he's, he's something. And so here now, John is baptizing in the river. What is baptism? And we're going to have baptism in a few weeks. If you want to get baptized, please, please sign up. Baptism is an outward declaration of what happened on the inside. I made a decision for Jesus, and now I want to live it out, number one, by showing everybody else, but also helping my own mind and my own identity. Baptism is about identity. It's about identity, and we're going to celebrate, we're going to scream, we're going to yell. Every time someone goes down in the water and comes up, it's going to symbolize that they have been buried. Their old life has been buried, and now their new life has begun, and they are raised up. They're raised up. That's why it's immersion. We don't baptize by sprinkling. We baptize by immersion, going down into the water, coming up out of the water. And that's what happened. Jesus went into the grave, and then he was raised victoriously. I would love for everybody to freak out just for a second that Jesus has been raised up from the dead. I know it's not Easter Sunday, but let's freak out. Jesus is alive. Man. Oh, how crazy is that? He's alive. He was dead, and he's alive. Jesus, Jesus is alive. He was raised up from the dead. And so when we get baptized, we come up to new life. But one of the things that it does, if you get a period, get a, uh, um, if you get some time, read Hebrews chapter 9 and chapter 10. It's a really good picture on baptism. You know, baptism really helps your thoughts where identity is concerned because our consciousness has been sprinkled, has been washed, has been purged from dead works to serve the living God. And because of Jesus' life, death, burial, resurrection, we have now been given access to a new and living way where we don't have to in shame and regret and guilt continue to pay for our sins. Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. It's an amazing picture, and it's an amazing feeling, but the revelation of it, I'm not a sinner saved by grace. You can't be both. You can't be a sinner and saved by grace. I was a sinner, but then I got saved by grace, and so now I'm a son. So I don't identify myself as a sinner. I'm just a sinner trying to get along. Absolutely not. He calls me a son. And I will not disrespect the heart of the Father and the gift of Jesus by continuing to identify with a sinner. I am not a sinner. It doesn't mean I haven't missed it, I haven't blown it, but that's not my character. My character is in Jesus. And when the Father looks at me, he sees a son. He sees a son. He sees a daughter. Baptism helps that. Because baptism says, when I come up out of this water, I'm recognizing. That's what it says in the book of Romans chapter 6. It says, reckon yourself to be dead to sin, but alive unto God. 
That's a beautiful thing. That's why I'm pumped about these, these uh, candidates. And I've had some, especially some of our young adults, they've come and said, hey, Pastor you know, I got baptized when I was little, but I really get it. I want to get baptized again. I'm so pumped for her. I'm so pumped for him. Because the imagery is going to be so good coming up out of the water and having this whole population yell and scream, just like all of heaven will be doing at the same time. But it helps my consciousness. I wrote a song years ago. It says, uh, uh, the devil tried to stop my way, he tried to tell me I'm not born again. You're just a sinner saved by grace. You're not free from sin. But I turn and I look sort of in his eyes and I cry out from within, I'm holy, I'm righteous, I'm born again, I am a new creation, I'm sanctified, I'm justified, the blood of Jesus has changed my life, I'm being renewed in the spirit of my mind, I'm holy for I am born of God. I told you I got born again when I was 11 years old. My dad had a, a priest a message on a Sunday night, had an altar call. Little 11-year-old Terry walked down, to the, walked down the aisle, had a heart condition. They said I wouldn't live past 10. 11, I got born again. And if God wills, this coming September, I'll be 60 years old. After they said I would die at 10 years old. But I got born again. But the dynamic in the culture always was, you're a sinner saved by grace. You're a sinner sinner. You're just a sinner. You're just a sinner. You're a lowly sinner saved by grace. Oh, you're just a sinner. You're just a sinner. And it wasn't until I was 20 years old. I wrote that song when I was 20 years old. And it didn't make me that I'm, I'm holy. I'm justified. I'm looking down on other people. No, it's like my identity. The enemy would pull me aside and put me on guilt trips and shame and regret and all of that garbage. And anytime. God wanted to talk to me. All of my past would come up. All of my sin would come up. All my mindset was just, oh, you this, you did that, you did this, you did that, you did this. And so instead of God, he was a judge. Instead of Father, he was a judge. I got a revelation of the fact that when I was born again, I was born as a son. And so I started seeing myself like the prodigal. And I didn't leave home and spend all my dad's money and all that kind of stuff, riotous living. I'm just talking about the way the enemy works on our minds. And he perverts the love of God, and he has us afraid. And even on a day like today with Father's Day, man, you got so many kids that have come up afraid of God because they're afraid of their dads. And I got a hold of that thing, or anytime dad comes in the room, it's all about punishment, it's all about judgment. As much as I love my dad, and I honor my dad, man, he was a heavy disciplinarian. And his rage would kick in. He would, his rage would kick in, and he wouldn't know how to handle it. Because born, being born and being raised by his parents, that's how they treated him. So he's just going off of what? And so he would get so mad. I mean, he'd be going in, going in. And so in my little mind, whoo, in my little mind, I'm thinking this is how God the Father sees me when I miss it, when I blow it. Thank God he gave me a revelation of what happened when I got baptized. I came up, the guilt is gone, the blood washed it, 
And now I can like the prodigal son. The father, the father praying for him said, son, I've been praying for you. Come home. My son is home. And the, the boy wanted to say, dad, I've sinned against heaven. I sinned against you. I don't need to be your son. Just make me a slave. Just give me the crumbs. I'll be okay. Just let me back home. And God in his mercy through that parable that Jesus showed says, I don't do fatherhood like that, even if you blew it. He says, bring me shoes and put shoes on his feet. Bring me a robe, put a robe on, robe of righteousness. It's right standing with me. And then he says, bring the credit card. That's what the ring was for. The ring allowed him to do commerce everywhere. He said, bring the credit card. Here, you got the credit card. And you'll have one of them credit cards where you put something in and you can only, you can only pay for what you, you can only use the card for how much you put in the bank. No, this is one of those American Express. And you got the ultimate amount of grace and favor and resources and provision. Bring the ring and put it on his finger. And then, and then, let's have a party. Let's have a party. I got a revelation of that. In fact, when our kids were young, you know, and Pam would, you know, she was trying to, she's like, that don't make sense. That don't make sense. You know, because when the kids would do something wrong and we'd talk and we'd have a conversation and get that thing straight. And then, hey, where are we going? We're going to the movies. We're going to buy some video games. We're going to, why? I want you to understand that the Father is not sending you to your room in shame, being disconnected from my love because that thing happened. That thing happened? Come now. Let's talk about it. Let's deal with it. And now let's go have a party. Call everybody in the house. We're going to have a party. Celebrate my son. He was dead. He's alive. He was lost. And now he's home. That's the picture of the Father's love. That's a picture of the Father's love. All of that happened with baptism. Good Lord, how'd I go down that street? I was just doing some backup. But Jesus comes up out of the water, and the first thing, John baptizes him, he comes up out of the water, and the first thing that happens is identity. Everybody write down identity. And the heavens opened and said, this is my son. I'm pleased with him. Identity is huge. Because when you close scripture in terms of the Bible in your early devotion or whatever, and now you're under attack, if you don't have identity in there, the enemy will talk you out of who you are. And so the Spirit of God came on Jesus. He was, he was filled with the Spirit. It says when the heavens opened, just like this. Just, y'all see that? You see that dove coming down? says the Spirit of God came down on Jesus like a dove. It wasn't a dove. It was saying that it was gentle like that. In other words, it didn't throw him against the wall and throw him over there and throw him in the river and say, that's God trying to get a hold of you. Yo, come on. Father loves you. That's why if something's happening in your life, I don't have time to teach on it, but something's happening in your life and it seems like you're going through a rough patch, don't think God's mad at you. God loves you. What's the name of that song? What are the words of that song? Um, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, 
Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You need to know who he is. There's another song. You're a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's who you are. And I am, <laughs> come on. I am loved by him. That's who I am. That's who I am. If the enemy will whisper, God's mad at you. God's not for you. You're going to get it. Oh, he remembers what you did three weeks ago. Oh, it's coming back now. All of those seeds you sown, it's all coming back. That is not the Father's love. The Bible says, with goodness, he says, with loving kindness, I drew you in. Which means that any good thing, really good thing that's happening in your life, that's God trying to get your attention. Especially when you don't deserve it. So where did this come from? You start singing a song that uh, Julie Andrews sang. Somewhere in my youth and childhood. This is from The Sound of Music. I must have done something good. Nope. <laughs> nope. It was the love of God. It was the grace of God. And he's searching after you. He's running after you. There's another song. It says there's no, I don't know all the words, something he, he'll knock down and something he'll kick through, you know, running after you. That's the Father's love, man. That's his Father's love. All right, so um, he comes on him, and then he says, this is my son, and right away he goes into the wilderness. Now, he went from Jesus of Nazareth to Jesus Christ. You guys to get that. He went from Jesus of Nazareth to now Jesus the Christ. Why? Because when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of God came on him. <laughs> he filled him up. What is, the, what is the Christ? The Christ is the anointed one. Anointed one. Anoint means to smear all over. I could, uh, I could, I could pour a little lotion here. I could anoint you with some lotion. How do I do it? I put some on my hand, or I open the top, and I squeeze it all over the top of your head. It's anoint. I rub it into you. I smear it all on you. The Bible says that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. He had the very presence of the Holy Spirit all in him, all on him. And there's a difference. Holy Spirit being in you to fill you gets you ready for every attack of the enemy. As soon as he came out of the river and the Spirit of God came on him, filled him, he went right into the wilderness. And it says... He went into the wilderness. Look what it says in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, verse 1. It says, he goes, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. You want a man, and to these fathers that are in here this morning, these, these men that are in here, every, all those men who stood up, you want to be linked up with God? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not because you got some kind of gyration, you know, oh, Spirit's on. Ooh, got the Holy Ghost. 
No. Came in and filled you with God's perspective. That's why the very first thing that happened, the devil came to him and said, if you are the son of God. If, if, if you are the son of God. He's attacking his identity. That's what he's attacking. If you're the son of God. Tell these stones to be... Um, to become a loaf of bread. And he goes through that a few times. At one point, he tries to get him to commit suicide. He says, throw yourself down. Another time, he says, worship me, if. And each time, Jesus responded based on what he was filled with. So filled, being filled gets you ready for the battle. But then, if you look at Luke chapter, what is that? 14. Go to Luke 14. Um, no, 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 no. Chapter 4, verse 14. It says, then Jesus, look at this. Then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Spirit's power. So now he doesn't just have the Spirit in him. He got the Spirit on him. In him, if you're a man filled with the Spirit of God, it gets you ready for every test, every temptation. But if you've got the power of the Spirit of God on you, now you are ready for others. And the first place to deal with it is home. He sent him back home. Holy Spirit sent him home. It says, then Jesus returned to Galilee where he had been brought up, with, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And then he says, the reports spread all over the place, all over the place. And you know what he did? He went into the temple and he read the place where it was written, Spirit of the Lord is upon me. There is a because to the Spirit of God being on you, and it is others. Everybody say others. Others. So what's the first point? Identity. What's the second point? I am filled for every attack of the enemy. The third one, man, I am ready for others. If you go through Luke all the way down to verse 42, you'll see he went everywhere, healing, healing, healing. And I want that to be for the men that are in here this morning. May your identity be intact. May you be equipped to stand against every force of the enemy. And may you be ready to take care of others. Now, when Jesus got finished sharing, I'll close with this. When Jesus got finished sharing, he says, it says that uh, everybody that was listening to him got mad at him. How are you going to call yourself anointed? How are you going to say God is on you? And it says they tried to run him off a cliff. They tried to push him off of a cliff. But it says Jesus moved in the midst of them and got out of it. How did he do that? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Which means that whatever you need to get through, when people are trying to attack you or mm -hmm. spiritual wickedness trying to do some things to you, you allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. To guide you. He'll get you out of it. Unless there are times when you need to sacrifice. Mm. That's important. Because as I said earlier, when there are times when you need to apologize and take that hit, take that hit. When there are times when you need to sacrifice to help others, 
and Holy Spirit says do it, sacrifice to help others. Don't, don't always look for the easy way out. The Bible says that Jesus humbled himself and was obedient even unto death, the death of a cross, which means that there are going to be times when God may say, I want you to bear your cross. You're not going to be able to get out of this. I want you to bear a cross in this. We're not talking about shame. We're not talking about regret. We're not talking about God burning your house down and saying, you know, God's trying to teach me something. That's a bunch of garbage. We're talking about God using you to touch the lives of others. And sometimes it's hard on your flesh. Sometimes it's lonely. And so in humility, say, okay, Lord, I'll go. There's an old hymn that said, says, must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? He says, no, there's a cross for everyone. There's a cross for me. The consecrated cross is my cross. That's the one God's calling us to say, Lord, I give my life for you. And all that goes with it, if you're getting me out of death, great. If there are issues at home or issues in community, if there are issues, if there's major temptation coming at me, I want to bear my cross as well. Bow your heads where you are. Father, thank you for moments like these. I want to ask every man that's in the room to stand. Every man that's in the room, I just want you to stand. Ladies, I want you to agree with me in prayer for these men. These are men desire for fill of the Spirit, the Spirit of God to be in them, but also on them. Men of God who have their identity intact. That says, I'm holy, I'm righteous, I'm born again, I'm a new creation. I've been sanctified and I'm justified and the blood of Jesus has changed my life. I'm renewing my mind. But I am a son. So ladies, I want you to just stretch your hands to a man that's close to you. Everyone, make sure that every man in the room is receiving impartation at this time. Father, we pray over these men. These men of honor. Men who have a heart for you. We pray right now, Father, by your spirit, fill them fresh. Fill them fresh. Fill them through every part of the access to their hearts, their eyes, their ears, their emotions, their imagination, their moods, their bodies, their intelligence, their reasoning their confidence. Fill them, Lord, to know that they are sons that you are well pleased with. Fill them for every good work. Holy Spirit, based on your filling, lead them when they are in temptation. Lead them. Strengthen them with might by your spirit in their inner man. That when the enemy comes, 
when shame, regret, temptation of any kind comes, that they are able to say what God says about them, this is my son that I love and I'm pleased. Fill them, Holy Spirit. But we also ask that you would be on them. Ladies, ladies, every female in the house, pray over the man that you're close to and say, Lord, fill him, fill him, fill him. Be on him, be on him, rest on him, rest on him so that no matter where he goes, school, home, job, entertainment, business, everywhere he goes, he represents you. He represents you. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's a strengthener. All by the Spirit of God. Be on him. He is a little Christ. He is a Christian. He is a little Christ. He is a Christian. The Spirit of the Lord on him. Every man that's in the house, every male in the house, lift your voice high and say, Father God, I thank you that I am filled with you and I am being filled with you. More and more, be on me, Holy Spirit. Lead me to dark places to bring the light of God. I receive you. I bless you. I accept my assignment. I am commissioned to go. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody put your hands together. Praise our great God for his commissioning. Now everyone stand in the house. Everyone stand in the house. All you men, all you men, just look around the room and bless every lady you see. Just look and say, I bless you. I bless you. And whatever bubbles up, I bless you. I bless you with God's grace. I bless you with God's hope. Come on, guys. Come on now. Raise your voice, guys. Come on. Fathers are in the house. I bless you. 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 <laughs> God is so good. Oh, pull somebody close to you. Pull somebody close to you. Grab your communion. If, do you have communion? 